Hello and welcome to Retrospection. In each episode we rummage through an attic of old film and TV shows and hope we come with an unblemished heirloom and not the film and TV equivalent of those magazines that we forgot we hid up there. My name's Colin and I'm on Tracy Island. <laughs> and I'm Paul and I'm here with Dr Voodoo putting a surprise appearance from Fun City. <laughs> There's some great lines in this show. There is. Yeah. What, this show? Yeah, this show. Just a podcast. When they happen, will you, will you tell me so that I can... <laughs> They're all written down in the script. We've got a script? No. Hang on, hang on, I need my glasses. <laughs> in part one of this episode, that's right, part one, we're taking our traditionally forensic look to the pilot episode of Miami Vice from 1985. It should be interesting, eh? Yeah. Miami Vice is an American crime drama that ran for five seasons, and most critics say it changed the face of the genre. Well, it did really, didn't it? I mean, uh, it, it, it wasn't like anything else that was on TV at the time. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. The show focuses on Sonny Crockett and Ricardo Tubbs, two detectives in the Miami-Dade County Vice Squad. Did you read about any of the long list of people that we could have had playing these characters? Well, there's one very interesting one, two, like, okay, they could have been, like, Nick Nolte. All right, yeah. 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 Larry Wilcox. <laughs> from chips yeah the, didn't the producers in the end think that maybe him playing another cop might have been a bit too on the nose that's right yeah mm. I, I can't imagine him as Sonny Crockett he's kind of too clean cut wasn't yes. he yes yeah I mean that's how I imagine him from chips anyway yeah so the series actually stars Don Johnson as Sonny Crockett mm-hmm. Philip Michael Thomas as Ricardo Tubbs Sandra Santiago as Detective Gina Calabrese Olivia Brown as Detective Trudy Joplin, Michael Talbot as Detective Switek, John Deal as Detective Larry Zito, and in the pilot we have Gregory Sierra as Lieutenant Lou Rodriguez, and he leaves a few episodes into the first series, is replaced by Edward James Olmos as Lieutenant Castillo. And I think the replacement was a good move. Yes. I think Rodriguez comes across as a little bit too stereotypical for this show, I think. Rodriguez is the one weak link in this pilot and it's not the actor's fault no it's the way he's written isn't he i mean he's the cigar chomping angry boss it's as if he has come from stasky and hotch yeah absolutely everything else about this show is new and fresh and different and mm-hmm. except for that one aspect i think uh, as you say he, he he seems like a throwback to to 10 years earlier yeah i think yeah 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 and he, he left because he didn't want to continue filming in miami so it ended up actually being good for the show. Yes, yes. And, and I mean, Castillo is one of the most iconic characters from this show, isn't he? I mean, he's up there with Crockett and Tubbs, really. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, mm-hmm. unlike other TV shows previous to this, it was, it's actually filmed in Miami. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of shows would film in L.A. And even today, um, CSI Miami is actually filmed in Los Angeles. It's not filmed in Miami. And most places, to the, things today seem to be filmed in Canada, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, mm. so that gave it a totally different look from anything else. And then, of course, there was the color choices, the pastels, um, all the rules about what colors they could use and couldn't use, all made it very different. And I think for, for, for people like us who were growing up in, in England in the 1980s, this show always felt very exotic, didn't it? Yeah, the only pastel we'd ever seen was made by round trees. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> well, they were good. Yeah, they were. I liked them. Not as good as wine gums, but you know. Do you, do you remember the uh, the the socket challenge? 
I beg your pardon. Can it, can we you know, can you... we talk about this on a family show? <laughs> well, you know, you remember you you, you say you put a fruit pastel in your mouth and try not to to try to suck it and not chew it. Oh, and see how long, you, how long you could last. Okay, I don't know what you were thinking, Colin. I don't know. I'm just a different sweet. Anyway, get your mind out of gut. You're bringing the podcast down. Never. But you never thought I'd say that. Yeah, that's true. So the show was different also in the style that it was written in. Uh, very nihilistic to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Um, it didn't have those endings that would plague earlier shows. Um, well, the happy, jolly comedy ending. Yeah, I always remember one in, in Stersky and Hutch specifically were Stersky's, I think Stersky's girlfriend is killed. Yeah, mm-hmm. Another one you and mean. he's all like crying and he's upset and then it fades to black and then obviously it goes for commercial break and comes back and he's bowling with a new girl <laughs> and they're all joking and laughing here in Miami Vice it would have just ended on him crying and that would have been the end of the episode and I think I think a lot of episodes actually did that didn't they yeah they were really dark sometimes mm. and then the good guys didn't always win in fact they very rarely won in yeah. Miami Vice and even when they won, it was a Pyrrhic victory because it usually cost them something. Yeah, yeah so that was, that was entirely, completely different. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of other shows that were around at the same time still carried on with those, you know, jokey comedy endings, didn't they? Yeah. I, so this was 85. So mm-hmm. something like TJ Hooker would have been in its last season, would have been? Yeah, fourth or fifth season, I would say, yeah. And so it feels like a totally different period of time. Yet they had coexisted. I know it's a strange, uh, strange moment in time, that isn't it? T.J. Hooker yeah. and Miami Vice existing together. Yeah, and, it... and one feels completely anachronistic against the other, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But we we seem to be summarising, reviewing before we've even gone through the pilot. We're just so excited. Yeah, we don't like it really. I know, shite. <laughs> <laughs> Two episodes of this crap. Jesus. Yeah. So do you have anything else about the making or production of the show before we leap into the pilot? Uh, just a couple of things, really. The, the one that really oh, we don't have time me. for that. So let's go. Straight. No, go ahead. <laughs> you cut me off again. I know. Go ahead. <laughs> no, uh, the one that I did find quite, quite interesting was that Don Johnson really wasn't sold on the whole um, pastel aesthetic of it all at first, was he? He he preferred he, he he preferred the idea that Crockett was more of a biker kind mm. of person, okay. leather jackets and cowboy boots, which is funny really because I'm pretty sure he managed he did get his wish towards the end of the series, didn't he? Yeah, well the the color scheme changes in the third season anyway from pastels to neon darker mm. earth colors, which is but he did go a lot grungier grungier yeah, in the, in the last long. season, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. which great. I think is what he wanted to begin with. Right. Maybe he just had more clout. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And he almost walked away for, at the end of season two, didn't he? Uh, it was a pay dispute, wasn't it? Well, it depends on who you ask. Oh, OK. <laughs> he says that he was getting uh, movie offers and um, that he, he wanted to pursue a, a, a movie career. And uh, according to um, what I read online, he was offered the lead role in Die Hard. OK. And, and Michael Mann convinced him to stay with the show, and he, he subsequently became the most highest-paid TV actor of, of that time. Apparently, turned things down like Die Hard and The Untouchables. Oh, okay. Which would have been interesting. Yeah, it would have been. I, I, I always thought that, that Don Johnson had the, the enough qualities about him to, to be a, a, a big star in, in film. Yeah, 
there's two films of his I quite like. Um, Would one of them be Dead Bang? One of them is Dead Bang, and mm-hmm. the other is, is it A Boy and His Dog? Oh, that was a very early one, wasn't it? He was yeah. a, just a kid, very young. wasn't he? Yeah. What, what about Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man? Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that, so I don't have an opinion. I would have to see it again. Could be one for a future show. Could be, could be. And is he in the hot spot? The, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we won't mention that one. So, anything else? No, I think, uh, I think we should leave it there. <laughs> All right, let's go right into Miami Vice. So we open with Ricardo Tubbs sitting in a car at night in New York City and he's drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. Three street kids see him. One is carrying, and I'm going to use the 80s term, a ghetto blaster. Ghetto blaster, you remember those? I thought these kids walked straight out of a Michael Jackson video. Well, they do mention Michael Jackson. They do, they do. Yeah. And we can hear music playing from the stereo. Yeah, and there's a great line, I'm going to cut you good, sucker. Yes. You don't uh, get lines like that anymore, do you? No, you don't. They see Tubbs and decide to rouse him. They bang on the glass. Tubbs lowers the window. One of the kids asks him if he has some 20s and tosses in some plastic while you're at it and then spits on the windshield. Well, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's being thorough. For a he's just trying to help him out. He's just trying to help him out. Maybe he had a dirty windshield. That's not a way to clean it. Isn't okay. everything dirty, though? I guess 80s New York. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. That, that is neighbourhood that... is very expensive now. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that was going to be my next question. I was going to ask you. I thought you'd be the man to ask. I, I, I know that street and the other one later. And, uh, yeah, it's very expensive now. It still has cobbles, though. Did you go looking for the street because of this episode? No, I, I used to work in that area. And I recognized it afterwards when I was saw the episode. I was like, oh, I know that street. So, so you, you, But you didn't get accosted by three Michael Jackson-looking punks with uh, ghetto blasters? Not yet. Plenty of time now, still in There's here. plenty of time, yeah. 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 So Tubbs says, beat it, punks. One of the kids pulls out a knife, and he says, like Paul just told us, I'm going to cut you good, sucker. But Tubbs raises a son-off shotgun and says, can it wait? I'm a little busy right now. It's so cool, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids run off. <laughs> a man steps out of a brownstone and enters a limo. Tubbs is watching him. The limo pulls away, and Tubbs follows. And then we get some nice synth music playing. And we didn't really talk about the music. Well, I guess I mean, we will when the theme tune kicks in. Well, oh, absolutely. I mean, the music is such an integral part of, of everything to do with Rhyme Vice, isn't it? There's a lot of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Tobes follows the limo to somewhere around, actually around J Street it is in mm-hmm. New York, and watches as the man with a woman gets out and enters the building. Tobes follows. And it's a nightclub. And we get to hear Body Talk by The Deal playing. Are you going to do that all the way through? Uh, yes. Wow. <laughs> Why? Welcome to Desert Island Discs with Colin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, not, some of these are not records that I would want on my Desert Island. Although Body Talk <laughs> isn't that bad. <laughs> I think in, in the context of, of this scene, it works perfectly, doesn't it? Particularly when we get to a fight scene in a moment. Yeah, I think all the music works really well. It's, it's, it's so well thought out. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. Tubbs looks around and sees the man sitting laughing with some woman, and then he slips away to some cash, and the waiter goes over to the man and spills a drink over him. Guy mm-hmm. freaks out and goes to the restroom. Tubbs follows, and here, like you said, the music matches exactly what's going on in the beats. It, 
it, it did make me laugh that um, Tubbs looks over and sees the, the guy's bodyguards holding this waiter up against the wall, and he just cuts him off, doesn't he? He just sort of looks at him, shrugs, and walks away. <laughs> oh, it's dumb. I got paid for it. Yeah, but he's probably going to be dead in about five seconds. Yeah, well, you know, these things happen. <laughs> all and, right. And the whole nightclub is all neon and there's dark colours, and it's kind of mm-hmm. coldish, I guess. As a, as a kind of, it's totally the opposite of what we're going to see in a bit. But don't you find, though, that, that a lot of the nightclub scenes, even in the, in Miami later in, in, and in subsequent episodes, I always find them to be quite cold. Okay. You know, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of disconnect between the people and, maybe, and what's going on. Maybe the lighting is representing how you used to feel at a nightclub. <laughs> like I went to nightclubs in the 80s. Well, apart from the fact I would have been about... 11 but 11. yeah 10 or 11 yeah. but you know 90s 90s i didn't go to nightclubs in the 90s <laughs> okay maybe the odd one or two yeah so tubbs <laughs> takes a gun out but one of the men's one of the man's bodyguards sees him and a fight breaks out another bodyguard runs down the corridor while they're fighting the guy tubbs was following runs out the back door of the nightclub mm-hmm. the second bodyguard fires missing tubbs and shooting his partner tubbs returns fire hitting him then tubbs runs out of the nightclub and it's surprisingly bloody, isn't it? Yes, it is. You, know, uh, you see blood spurting out from the gunshot wounds and stuff. I mean, right. you, you didn't see anything like that, did you, on TV? No. Certainly no. not American cop shows. You didn't see blood like that. That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Mammy Vice was pretty heavily edited, censored on the BBC as well. Oh, God, there was whole, whole episodes missing at times. Well, there was that, yes, there was. <laughs> yeah. um, Tubbs runs down the alley, sees nobody, runs back, and he's lost him. And then we cut to the Miami Vice credits. Just before we talk about the credits, did he really have to step in that puddle? Uh, I think he just didn't care. You know, he's so fixated on the guys chasing. It, it bugs me every time I watch it, though. Why? Are you worried about his shoes or something? I am. He's got such a nice suit on. Oh, here we go. Fashion guru. You know, <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. Oh, yeah. Go on. You spend a lot of time observing the fashion and talking about the fashion. I can see where this is going. Go on. Of the people... In all the films and TV shows we watch. And it's yeah. strange coming from a guy that just consistently wears superhero T-shirts. Well, that's fashion, isn't it? It's a form of fashion. So we get the Miami Vice credits. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was cold. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all bright colours and shots of Miami flamingos. And we get the music by Jan Hammer and... The music is actually incorrect for this episode and also the next episode. Um, yes, it doesn't have the uh, squealing guitar solo over yeah, the top of it. Apparently it's accidentally missing. They didn't realise. Oh, so it wasn't, it wasn't a, a choice? That's what I've read. It oh, was right. just accidentally missing and it's never been corrected. Because it makes it feel more, in some way, it makes it feel less of a TV show because it's not there. Right, right. I mean, the whole thing feels cinematic anyway, doesn't it? But, yeah. Yeah, These very. credits feel feel like a, like movie credits. Yeah, and we get fancy cars, buildings, water, and bikinis, bouncy ones. Yeah, that's true. Slow pan up, Sonny Crockett. He's standing outside with his partner Eddie, played by Jimmy Smith, and it was uh, Smith's first role before he went on to yes. do L.A. Law and NYPD Blue. And apparently, Michael Mann considered him for um, the part of Tubbs. Oh, that would have been interesting. Hmm. Would have gone in a completely different direction, wouldn't it? Yeah. The whole Doctor yeah. Voodoo line wouldn't have worked later on, would it? No, no. I think mm. they may have had to rewrite some stuff. 
<laughs> You'd hope so, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, maybe. So they're waiting for a guy called Corky to arrive. Corky's mm-hmm. supposed to lead them to a big-time Colombian drug dealer. He's a complete douchebag, Corky, as well, isn't he? Yeah, but meanwhile, Eddie's worried about his wife who's pregnant and she's working in a diner and he doesn't want his wife oh. to be working. And Crockett's like, hey, you know, you're on a cop's pay. There's not much choice. You can practically see that scythe hanging over the guy's head, can't you? <laughs> yeah, because he's supposed to go call his wife to apologize for an argument they got into. But before he has a chance, Corky arrives. Eddie will have to call her later. Mm-hmm. And now Corky appears to be high as a kite. Oh, I think, yeah, because he's sniffing like crazy and he's Just, like, he can't stop talking. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And then he's talking about sponsoring some, some kid in Colombia or something. <laughs> That's right, yeah. That's what <laughs> yeah. he's talking about. <laughs> I, I love their reaction to it as well. Jimmy Smith is just kind of looking at him with utter contempt. And there's a change of plan. They were going mm-hmm. to Crockett's boat, but Corky says, forget that. Forget the Colombian. They have a new dealer. And Crockett puts the price up because he's still playing along with the deal. Don Johnson's performance is consistent all the way through it, isn't it? It's he, you, you really buy into the fact that he is this this guy that, that that's fell into this world a little bit too deeply at times, I think. Yeah, I mean, even when, I don't know how to talk about it, but the series changed later on, there are still mm. clues in these early episodes about what's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This doesn't come totally out of the blue. No. Mm-hmm. So they pack under a deserted flyover. Uh, Eddie and Cocky walk over to another car to get the drugs. Cocky tells Crocky he left the scales in his car for the, you know, weighing the drugs, and then asks him mm. to get it. Crocky goes back to his car. Crockett bends over to pick up the scales and his sunglasses that are hooked on his T-shirt fall on the floor. And I've tried it, it works. <laughs> I think I remember you trying it at school. I try, always trying it. Just just to check the authenticity. Absolutely. I do that in mm-hmm. all the shows we watch. Do you? Yeah, wow. yeah that Condor Man one was tricky. <laughs> Two broken legs. That yeah, 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 and yeah. a beak. He picks him up and looks across at Eddie and Cocky, and he sees a bomb wired under the car. He yells over, Eddie, no, but as Cocky opens the trunk, the car explodes, killing Cocky and Eddie. And two dummies go shooting in the air, don't they? Now, this is interesting. Okay, go on. Because I've played it frame by frame, mm-hmm. and it is two people. Because Cocky actually twists and turns and covers his face as it goes off. So I don't know at what point the dummies appear because Eddie looks like a dummy because he goes straight up in the air with two legs. He still. does. <laughs> so I can't figure it out. I think it's dummies, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You think whether... it's just a really fast cut. Yeah, between them it could being be a two fast people. Cut. Or I guess Corky could have been closer to the camera and the dummy near the car, and they could have just used a fast perspective to make it look like they were both next to each other. Yeah, because if 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 the if the Jimmy Smith's one isn't a dummy. That guy's dead. Maybe, maybe he is. We don't know. He goes shooting in the air like a rocket. He does, yeah. <laughs> it always struck with me. I always remember the first time I ever saw that. I was like, whoa, you don't, because you never usually see people get, you know, blown up. Right, right. Just, just blow, just see the explosion and then they tell you afterwards. Yeah, whenever anyone dies in a car explosion, it, you just see yeah. the car go up, don't you? You never see the, 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 the aftermath right. of it. So we fade into sirens, and the area is now a crime scene. Rodriguez, the lieutenant of the vice department, arrives, and Zito, which is, he's a detective, but Zito and Switek are like a double act, and they're kind of the support people 
And they don't get much to do in this, do they, other than be comic relief? Yeah, no, they don't. In, in the pilot. Yeah, so Cito tells Rodriguez it was CFAR, and Switek tells him that the cocaine went up in the explosion, and he makes a joke about the police sniffer dogs around the scene will be up all night for a week, mm-hmm. which doesn't mm-hmm. go over very well for Rodriguez. No, he, he kind of chews them out at the same time as he's chewing on his huge fat cigar, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So then Rodriguez goes over to Crockett, who's sitting in a patrol car, Mm-hmm. Uh, Crockett tells him that four days ago he got a line on Corky, who worked for the Colombian. He was the middleman. Corky had a big buyer in from L.A., which would have been Eddie. Crockett says they were supposed to pick up the drugs from a Panamanian shrimper, but he tells Lou that Corky changed the plan and was going on his own, and now he's dead. But do you think that this whole conversation between Crockett and Rodriguez, it, it's one of the few moments in this pilot that I, I found it slightly clichéd? Again, it's cliche because it's Rodriguez. If it had been Costillo, mm. who would have not said anything throughout the entire scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apparently that, that really used to annoy Don Johnson, didn't it? Yeah, which made, always works because it just made him angrier and angrier. And it worked mm-hmm. in the performance. Um, I think that's part of the problem. And also, it sounds like it's exposition at first until yeah. you realize that Rodriguez then says, I've heard nothing from you for four days. That's right. So, so you're like, oh, okay. So he has to tell Rodriguez this, this information because he hasn't been reporting in. I, I do think that that um, as cliched as it is because of Rodriguez, I still would say that it's very rare in a TV show that you get an actor that like Don Johnson or, or Philip Michael Thomas later on, where they really feel like they know their character inside and out from the first few moments of an episode. It doesn't usually actors tend to grow into a role in the first season of a TV show, but you don't get that here, do you? No, it's straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. Rodriguez says, you know, there's been no call for backup and no progress reports, and Crockett snaps back that the last time he asked for backup, he almost got killed by Lee Harvey Oswald and Bluto, <laughs> referring to Switek and Zito. And as for progress reports, he just as soon buy radio time. He does kind of talk in sound bites, Crockett, doesn't he? Well, I, everyone seems to have really cool lines. No one refers to things as normal objects. <laughs> yes, yes. And there's some great ones in this episode, like Yeah. Clear Crockett thinks there's a leak in the department. Rodriguez mm-hmm. gets angry again with the idea that there's a crooked cop in his department. And he tells Sonny that from now on he needs to do things by the book or he's pulling him off the street. That's the whole thing that I felt, felt slightly cliche, that whole, you know, he's going to be by the book or I am pulling you, you know, that kind of thing. We've, we've heard that conversation a million times, haven't we? It's like I'm getting heat from, you know, upstairs. Yeah. The chief yeah. wants me to, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. That yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, so as Crockett's walking along, Trudy and Gina arrive, and then there are two vice cops who work the streets disguised as prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gina had a thing with Sonny in the past. That's what we kind of um, get the feeling about. He asks mm-hmm. her for a drink, but she's sorry that she has to work. <sighs> Crockett has to go and tell Eddie's <laughs> what? I had, I had nothing other than the fact that, what a dick. <laughs> Would you turn her down? She turns him down. Oh, yeah, sorry. Same thing. Same difference. All right. Because <laughs> she has to work. <laughs> Crockett has to go and tell Eddie's wife that he's dead. He enters the diner she works at and sees a joke with the customers, and she immediately knows something has happened. <laughs> and Crockett tells her that Eddie's been killed. Yeah, he breaks it to her very, very subtly as well, doesn't he? He's dead. <laughs> it's pretty much how it goes, isn't it? <laughs> he bought it. I can't remember what the lines are he uses, but yeah. He just says, oh, he got killed. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, what do you do? 
I suppose you could argue that you know he he's not very good at this kind of stuff, is he? No, that's true. I mean, no. what what would you do? You'd be like, so uh, cooking for two tonight. <laughs> Might I wouldn't bother. Dog. Put one in the fridge. <laughs> Save it for dinner tomorrow. <laughs> you don't want to do too much work. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah. 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 So what's he gonna do? We cut to Miami Airport. Tubbs arrives. Because he have his shirt any wider, open. It's almost down to his navel, isn't it? Yeah, he's getting into the Miami vibe. Is that what it is? Yeah. I do, I do think sometimes the clothes are, are, are kind of strange in, because they, most of the time they feel really modern for, 90, for you know, mid-80s. But then Tubbs' suits kind of look 70s at times with the huge collars and flappy trousers. I don't know, maybe the 70s was making a comeback. I mean, all their clothes were from Italy. They had a designer go over and bring them back, and they weren't stuff that was being used at the time mm-hmm. in America. So they, you know, they set the fashion rather than followed it at that point. Or they would do eventually, you know, when it became popular. And I do remember that they always used to change it up, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. Just when, when things became complacent, they would yeah. suddenly change it up. Yeah. So we're at a birthday mm-hmm. party for Crockett's son, because now we learn that he was married, divorced, and has a kid. Scotty Wheeler's there. He's a lieutenant in the DEA, undercover, and he's Crockett's friend. Mm-hmm. Crockett arrives. Caroline is annoyed because he's late for his son's birthday. He gives his son a present, and it turns out that Crockett is drunk, uh, which I never realized until recently. No, I never, I, that never registered. No, until I realized either. that Scotty no. says, what's going on? You're half in the bag. It's not a phrase that we would hear, though, is it? I never knew what it meant until mm-hmm. recently, I guess. And now it's like, oh, so he's actually already been drinking. And, and there no. is all this thing that he did have a drink problem in the past as well isn't there right it, yeah. it, it's kind of these illusions that that's one of the things that, that she divorced him about yeah yeah and he tells him that eddie is dead mm-hmm. hugs his son and after the party everyone's left and sonny is looking at an old photograph and that's when we learn that he and his wife are divorced crockett mentions that most of the vice cops he knows are divorced and she says that vice cops are just the flip side of the same coin of these dealers that they're always masquerading with which links to stuff that will happen very much later in the series now is is this whole divorced cop thing who's on the edge is it a cliche do you feel it's a cliche here it's probably more more of a question I don't know what show i guess tj hooker had a divorce he was divorced right tj hooker and, and again that relationship was very similar to this in the fact that they were still really good friends right right mm-hmm. maybe i never thought of it at the time but yeah, that could also be because you're so used to that trope, aren't you? You're so used to the hard bitten no, cop yeah. who's who's divorced and he's got kids and he's a bit of a family man, but you know he's he's got a bit of a past and she, she right. can't deal with it. I always find right. it refreshing when you know you get a, a, a cop show or a cop movie where um, the wife is completely on board with him being a cop. You know that tends to happen in older British cop films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking, like, Gideon's Day and stuff like that. Yeah, where, where, the, where they're just completely supporting the yeah. guy. Yeah. And we also learned that Crockett was shot at some point in his past as well. Yeah, it's quite badly as well from, from the way that they describe it. And she tells him that he gets high on the action. Crockett decides to go and check on his son, and then later his wife finds him asleep next to him, and she just lets him sleep. Oh, that's a nice moment, I thought. And then we get the most 80s guy that you can possibly see in the show. Leon? Yeah, Leon, yeah. Yeah, Leon is leaving a fried chicken place and gets in his convertible, and then Crockett jumps in the car. And he's oozing 80s, isn't he? He's oozing it from every pore. Why is he wearing two belts? Neither of which seem to be l- looped through any, any of his trousers. 
Well, maybe he's hoping that fried chicken will, you know. Yeah, I do that. In case it gets too much. I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, belt and braces. Absolutely, yeah. Although I, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. wear the the, uh, the white spats that he's wearing. I have to say, you don't. No, no, I've I've, I've put them away. I don't wear them. Anymore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, maybe one's just a safety belt, just in case the first belt fails. True, and and I, you know, personally, I don't want to look too street. Right. Um, Leon protests, but Crockett pulls his gun out, and then Leon drives. Crockett questions him about the deal going bad. Now, remember, he's still undercover as Sonny Burnett. He's not questioning him as a detective. He's just trying to figure out why someone would try to blow up the deal. I'm, I'm glad that you said that, because I, I was unsure about that, whether he, Leon knew that he was an undercover cop. No, Leon doesn't know. He's just... So he's um, playing it as Burnett. He's, like, trying to figure out why, what the hell's going on, why the deal you know i almost got killed yeah and now my my guy i brought in from you know new york is dead mm-hmm. and you know so he's trying to figure that out i, I suppose as well that the idea that he could shoot him would be more of a threat if he didn't know he was a cop yeah 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 mm-hmm. um leon tells him the original deal is still on the bomb was meant for nobody but khaki because khaki had decided to go solo mm-hmm. and then we cut to the nightclub <sighs> and we get somebody is watching me by rockwell Yes, we do, and and it's 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 worked into it incredibly well, and because we get the first instance of many instances throughout the show of Philip Michael Thomas dancing, yes, and, and mouthing the words as if he's singing it, and I, I got to think the first time I watched this, I I just assumed it was Tub singing. So did I, so did I, because yeah. it, it, it it's so well done, and and to, yeah. to me, whenever I hear that song, my mind goes straight <laughs> back to this scene. You know, yeah, and it's always Philip Michael Thomas yeah. you think of. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what the guy looked like at all. I couldn't tell you anything about the video that came out with it, right. but I could tell you everything about this scene because to me, the, 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 it's one and the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I agree. Um, and he's watching a dancer and he's throwing money around. He's having way too much fun, Philip Michael Thomas. Yeah, here, I mean, isn't he? definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Scotty Wheeler enters a nightclub and the bear owner tells him about Tubbs coming in a few nights in a row and trying to scar. Mm-hmm. So Wheeler goes up to Tubbs and asks who he's trying to meet and Tubbs tells him he's looking for Calderon, a friend of a friend, a guy who supplied a friend with some merchandise. And he's using a, a perfect Jamaican accent, isn't he? He, 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 he? I wouldn't even, I wouldn't know, but I guess so. I mean... Doesn't he say his name's Teddy Prentice? He does, yes. Mm-hmm. He's Tony's friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wheeler says he'll see what he can do. And we cut to a bed covered in ammo and weapons. It's back at Tubbs' hotel room. He gets a call, and he says he'll be there in two hours. In a briefcase, he has stacks of cash. And as Tubbs looks in the mirror, we get a flashback of a drug deal going wrong. Tubbs yelling as two of us are machine gunned. Tubbs runs over and holds the guy, and he's crying. Yeah, I just wrote, it's the magic flashback mirror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always got to have one. Yeah, yeah. He's even that, or he's just staring at himself, which would be a bit weird, wouldn't it? Particularly he's standing there with no shirt on. Well, maybe that's what he does. He seems like the kind of guy who would. <laughs> Don't you think? Uh, are we talking about the character or the actor? Both. I was going to say both, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he would, yeah. So back in the hotel room, Tobbs loads his revolver. Mm-hmm. Synth music plays now as we move past large ships and tankers in a dock at night. Mm-hmm. Crockett and Leon are in a speedboat. It's Crockett's and he's steering. They reach a dock and pull up. Scotty and Tubbs gets out of a car and approaches them. Mm-hmm. Leon asks Tubbs if he has the money. Suddenly squad cars with lights and sirens appear. Crockett and Scotty put their hands up. Leon and Tubbs do a runner. In um, Crockett's boat, don't they? Tubbs jumps yeah, into Crockett's boat. Scotty says, 
you took the keys out of that monster. And Crack is like, hey, who do you think you're dealing with? Mm-hmm. And of course, Tob starts up the engine and steers the speedboat away. And Scotty says, a guy is about to lose 100 grand's worth of speedboat. And it's a great chase scene, this. Yeah, it's a great chase, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, uh, apart uh, from the fact that where Crockett goes up on two wheels for no apparent reason. I'm still not sure whether it's because he was watching Tubbs and then looks back and hasn't got time to change lane. All right, I'll buy that. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. But it, it, um, it doesn't amount to much because he goes up on two wheels and it's literally like a fraction of a second before he lands back on two. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 you know, if you saw that and you were driving by, you'd be like, whoa. I'm still unsure as to what those roadworks are doing in the first place. Who knows what roadworks are doing wherever they are. Well, there, there, were, there were a lot of roadworks in 80s movies and TV shows, weren't there? That, that cars could there use was. to uh, leap over things yeah. or... Random cardboard mm-hmm. boxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Farmer's markets with stalls. Or glass bottles. Glass bottles, mm-hmm. always important, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so eventually, like it looks like Tubbs is going to get away. Crockett pulls up, slaps the steering wheel with anger, mm-hmm. but Crockett has a plan. He drives away. So we see Tubbs steering under a bridge, and Crockett is stood on top of the bridge and jumps off onto the boat. He knocks Tubbs down. Freeze, Miami Vice. Tubbs replies, congratulations, pal, New York, and shows Crockett his ID. One of the greatest moments in TV when they meet, isn't it, like this? Yeah. And, yeah, and the slow really... pan down the bridge with Crockett hiding above him. It's very cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. So later Crockett is fuming when he's talking to Tubbs with Rodriguez and he's like, here we go. <clears throat> two weeks, two weeks of legwork I put on this bust and three-fourths of the dealers turn out to be cops. Me, Scotty Wheeler and Dr. Voodoo here putting in a surprise guest appearance straight from Fun City. Not to mention Heckle and Jekyll jumping the gun by a good five minutes. Is that what you mean by team playing? You know, my badge says Miami, but lately it's been looking a lot like Disney World. All right, calm down. (laughs) Jesus. It, it loses something in the uh, in the accent. In the accent, yeah. it does. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, but it's a great it's a great speech. It is. I it like is. It. it is. Now is Doctor Voodoo racist? Well, he'll he'll do he'll say something far more worse later. Yes, so I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly what you're referring to. Yes, <laughs> but no, it, it is a it is a great speech. It is a great speech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Rodriguez tells Crockett that Tubbs is here from New York on a covert operation. Tubbs says he'd like to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Tubbs tells him about Calderon and that a New York cop was killed by him when a deal went wrong. Tubbs is down here to get him and he's annoyed that Crockett ruined his lead because the dude he was with was going to lead him to Calderon. Crockett points out that the dude in question is Scott Wheeler, undercover DAA. Tubbs shows Crockett a picture of Calderon. It's a Colombian. They're both after the same man. And Crockett doesn't play well with others, does he? Apparently. No. Now, is this, is this where he says the line that you're referring to? Yeah, he says um, something like... Are you down here on business like, or are you just working on your tan? Yeah, right. So I, as soon as that happened, I was like, ooh. <laughs> That's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> well, he's angry with him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if that happened today, he'd, he'd, be, uh, he'd be on a review, wouldn't he? <laughs> would be, HR would be down. I think so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rodriguez suggests they work together, but Crockett says forget it and storms off. Mm-hmm. So next day, Tubbs goes to visit Crockett on his boat. He brings a picture of Calderon and some donuts, like you do. And he's, he's eyeing up every woman that he passes, isn't he? Yeah, he is, because they're all wearing bikinis all the time in Miami, constantly. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> Nothing else. 
That's all they sell, clothes-wise. Even the men are. Yeah, that's true. Mm. The boat, like his car and clothes, doesn't belong to Crockett. They're given by the County Day Police Department to maintain his undercover image. And I always travel, had trouble explaining this to people in the 80s. Go on, tell me why. Because they didn't understand. They're always like, oh, he's supposed to be a cop, and yet he's got a Ferrari and a, and a, and a boat and all this. And I'd be like, yeah, but they don't belong to him. It, it isn't that hard to grasp. I mean, he's playing a, a, an undercover role. He's not going to turn up to, to deals in his jalopy, is he? No, you know. right? That would be a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense to me. Always did. Yeah. 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 Good. Hang, you're obviously hanging out with idiots. Tubbs wants to work with them, but Crockett argues with him. Crockett punches him, then apologizes. Tubbs punches him back, then asks for ice. Crockett says, yeah, down below, and then gives this kind of smile. And we meet Elvis, don't we, the alligator? We do. He used to be the farmer mascot of the University of Florida football team, which Crockett used to play for. Mm-hmm. No, I always wondered it. It's clearly a real alligator when it's in shots where it's, you can't see anyone else around it. But is it real all the time? You know, because sometimes like, the actors get really close to it and like, are touching it and patting it, and it doesn't move in those shots. So I often wonder it's, whether it's real. It's probably drugged. It was the 80s, I suppose. Probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah. off its scales. Oh. Were Petra a thing back then? Yeah, I think so. They just didn't know. They didn't want to know. Elvis. They didn't want to know. They didn't know about Elvis. A bit like the yeah, real Elvis, really, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. Off his tits. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a weird addition. And it's also an addition that seems to disappear from the show at some point. I thought that as well. I, I have vague memories of the fact that some, some uh, somewhere along the way, Elvis just disappears, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. But because in the first season, there's there's the whole joke all the time that he, he's he's always getting called back to the boat by the authorities because he's, he's he, Elvis has done something he shouldn't have done, like he's eaten some yeah. luggage or something. Yeah, he's rampaged around the dock, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of banishes. It's it's kind of like an odd comedy moment for the show. It is. It does feel out of place. Like who would keep an alligator on your boat? I mean, it's the kind of thing that that. I don't, we keep going back to it, but it's a perfect example of a different kind of cop show. It's the kind of thing that you would imagine the, the side story of the week in a T.J. Hooker episode would be about Romano trying to foist a com- alligator. comedy alligator <laughs> up onto somebody. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. yeah it's uh, riding uh, around uh, in the car with, in the back seat with Hooker and Romano. <laughs> our uh, Colt Seavers has to babysit an alligator who swallowed some diamonds. I think that's actually an episode, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> of the full guy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen that. <laughs> Crockett tells Tubbs that he has to go downtown to the cart house for Leon's bail hearing and that Leon will talk. Mm-hmm. Tubbs says Leon is never going to roll over on Calderon. At the cart house, Crockett's sat with Wheeler and it's hot. I mean, really hot. The AC isn't working. Everyone's sweating. And the lights go out because the power generator's failed. And when they come back on, Everybody is pointing a gun at Leon, even the cart stenographer. It is quite a funny, funny gag. Yeah, because one of one of the women won't even she won't put a gun down. She has to be persuaded. Again, it it, it kind of feels out of place, right? But then you get like Crockett and and Wheeler are like, well, this is they kind of like Crockett makes a joke and Wheeler's like, well, this is weird kind of face. Mm, yeah. So it's like it's weird even within the setting yeah i guess so i guess so. i i just always find that the humor in mommy vice was was 
obviously right. I mean, there's not a lot of scope for humor in Miami Vice but when they did it it always felt okay better when it was yeah. done between the characters you know rather than than a than a set right. gag like this you know so the judge releases Leon and says thanks for your help and Leon's like confused he didn't help he wasn't talking and so he starts to panic he knows if he's released from jail it will look like he really has talked and he leaves the courthouse throwing mm-hmm. uh, a you know, fit with his lawyer knocking him over, and Tubbs follows. Yes, and then we get uh, we get a female assassin, don't we? We do. Yeah. Well, this is after Leon mm-hmm. calls the vice squad and tells him he's ready to roll. Yes, yes, he wants to meet with them, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. And we cut to a beach, and we get girls just want to have fun by Cindy Lauper. Another good use of of a song. Yeah. Leon is waiting. He looks stressed. Tubbs is watching, and then we see a woman walking, and she takes a gun out of her purse. And then we realise it's clearly a man in drag. Hold on. When did you realise that? You I'm pretty sure I, the first time I ever saw this, I didn't realise it was a man in drag. I knew it was a man in drag. You see his face. Not really. Not yet. Later in the episode. No, surely you see it at this point, right? You don't just see the legs, right? Or do you? Is that, is no, that you, you see the legs and you see it from the side, where, but he's uh, pulling the hat down over his face. Okay. All right. And I'm pretty sure that it's not even him, that they actually use a woman. To throw you off. Mm, I'm not sure about that. I'd have those, to... those legs look too good. Maybe the actor has good legs. <laughs> I'm hoping it was a woman. So Crockett finds Tubbs sitting at the beach, and then they both go and find Leon leaning against a wall. Crockett taps him on the side, and Leon falls to the ground. He's dead. Crockett starts kicking things, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he loses his temper. Tubbs reasons with Crockett that they should work together, and Crockett finally agrees. He says another great Crockett line, doesn't he? He says, heaven knows I'm no box of candy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tubbs is like, well, that's correct, you're not. I've seen boxes yes. of candy, don't look anything like you. That's okay. What does that mean? But he does that a lot, though, doesn't he? He says things that, that are just statements. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, this is where it, we are... Uh, did you watch the complete version, the the the, the movie version? Yeah, I only, they only have one version on the Blu-ray, the movie. Right, okay, because I mine uh, at this point said to be continued. Ooh, that's hard. I watched it as two episodes. Ooh, mm-hmm. don't like that. <laughs> Sorry, and then it's the version I've got. <laughs> so then, then when it starts up again, they're going up the steps to Leon's apartment with the landlord, yeah, the comedy landlord, and. Uh, Crockett, the landlord asks for a warrant and Crockett starts reading the warrant and the landlord gets called away and it turns out the warrant is actually for tyres. Yes, yes, uh, that was a nice moment. Yeah, it's a fake warrant. In the apartment, they realise it's already been searched. Crockett makes a football reference and Tubbs realise he knows who Crockett was. He was a former college football player heading for the major teams. That is until Crockett went to Vietnam. Uh, and, and it's done in such a great way because Tubbs says... He has like a eureka moment where he says, ah, James Sonny Crockett. And Crockett replies, very good, very good, Tubbs. Next we'll work on your name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And he refers to Vietnam as the East Asia Conference. Yes, yes. Crockett's quite funny, isn't he? Is, he really? yeah. <laughs> when he's not shooting people. Yes, yeah. Mm. Tubbs finds a book taped behind a desk. It has numbers but no names, telephone numbers. Crockett says they can do a backtrace and find out who owns those numbers. Mm-hmm. Tubbs starts talking about how he thinks they got a leak in Vice and Crockett tells him to mind his own business. Which is strange because yeah. Crockett has been talking about the fact that there's a leak in the squad anyway. So you'd think, but I guess it's like, it's like, you know, you can say bad things about your team, but then someone else starts saying bad things about it and you defend yeah. it. 
I mean, at this point, Tubbs is still an outsider to him, isn't he? I mean, yeah. he's not he's not part of the circle. Yeah. So you know, I, I always got the impression, like as you say, that Crockett has had these thoughts himself, but he just doesn't want to hear this guy's just met voicing them. Right. Right. You know, it's not for you to tell me that. Right. Kind of thing. Um, back at headquarters, Crockett asked Gina to get a roll of film developed and asks her out to dinner. <laughs> Doesn't he say, Gina, can I have a favour? Can I ask a favour? Yeah. I think, yeah, I bet, yeah, I bet you want a favour. That's your chat-up line, isn't it? <laughs> can I have a favour? Please. <laughs> Please, I'm desperate. <laughs> Just a little favour. Can you develop this roll of film? <laughs> you don't know what's on the film. Yeah, that's, the favour is don't look. Yeah, 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 develop it, but don't look at it, no. all right? <laughs> It'll have lots of stickers on it. Yes. How did you know about that? Oh, everybody knows. Oh, God. And then he asks for to get information about Raphael Tubbs, which is the name Tubbs is using. Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten about that. I'd completely forgotten that he's pretending to be someone else at this point. Right. But I think that's because I'm so used to this show that I forget that this is how their relationship starts. Okay. Tubbs calls Crockett and tells him that Calderon's right-hand man, Trini DeSoto, called and wants to meet. And Trini DeSoto is played by Martin Ferreira. Who we see again, don't we? Yeah, he plays a different character in the actual series of Miami Vice. But both times he chooses the scenery like nobody's business, doesn't he? Yeah, so I, I, when I was younger, I never realised he was playing a different character. But then I knew he was dead. <laughs> at some point so it got confusing as to why they brought him back or what was going on i mean he's a full-on bad guy here isn't he whereas the other character he plays he's more of a he's a snitch isn't he yeah yeah comedy snitch comedy snitch that's right although not as comedy snitchy as the other guy that he works with later uh noogie noogie yeah yeah who got fired Yes. <laughs> Don Johnson did not get along with him, did he? Well, he knew the gag. Allegedly, the actor playing Noogie turned up in a drug-fueled rage. Yeah, and, yeah, that's... And uh, uh, Don Johnson refused to work with him again, which is fair enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When, when your mm-hmm. colleagues turned up in a drug-fueled rage, you won't be happy about working with him? When do they not? <laughs> that's, only, that's only how they get through the day. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Working with me? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. You're like, oh, I'm the only one who's not drug fueled. Yeah, well, there's a reason we all the rest of us are. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. <laughs> so, DeSoto reveals he learned English so well by watching old American shows. Is this racist? I don't think so. That's a fair point if that's how he learned English. No, I meant the whole characterization. Is it racist? I think you would have you to think? ask somebody who was from that area whether they thought it was or not. Mm. I'm not really mm-hmm. the person to ask. <laughs> Clearly not. No. <laughs> Tub says he doesn't want to deal with any intermediaries anymore. They want to deal directly with the Colombian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. De tells, okay, wait and I'll call you back. We get another great Crockett line, don't we? He says, let's blow this pop stand. Yeah, that's my favourite. Mm. It's a good line. Yeah, it's nice. On the drive back, Tubbs asks Crockett, how well does he know Rodriguez? As he's been the point man on this operation, and he suggests Rodriguez might be Crockett. Crockett blows up. Rodriguez is a friend. He's known Tubbs five seconds. Mm-hmm. And Tubbs says, well, can you explain why a large deposit has been made at First National by Rodriguez? That he's not happy, mm. is he? No. And clearly, the rise clearly want you to think that Rodriguez is, is the league at this point, doesn't it? Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. 
Later, Kraken and Tubbs with Gina and Trudy at a nightclub. There's a live band singing Only in Miami, originally by Bette Midler. It's actually Miami Sound Machine. I never realised that. Oh, it is? I didn't know that. But minus uh, Gloria Estefan. Oh, okay. I guess she was too expensive. <laughs> Either that or maybe she wasn't with them at the time. Was Oh, was the Sound Machine originally without Gloria Estefan oh, before they... I, I, I'm, I guess... I'm just, I'm just, I'm just surmising... That, Speculate. You know, speculating. Making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It's what you do best. <laughs> Trudy DeSoto comes over, and Trudy and Gina excuse themselves to go to the restroom. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think of Trudy and Gina? Gina's slightly better written than Trudy, isn't she? I mean, she she does get some stuff to do, but right. but I think a lot of the stuff that she gets tends to be in the first season. I think they kind of lose interest, you know, as right. the show goes along. But Trudy, apart from I can only think of one Trudy-centred episode in the whole of the show. That's one where she shoots somebody. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's the only yeah. one I can think of. Yeah, they're not very well used. It, it's certainly not a, a show that, that had good parts for women, I don't think. Um, so Tubbs, Crockett and DeSoto discuss the deal and how much drugs Tubbs can deliver. DeSoto gets up to leave and Tubbs says, Hey, not so fast. He said Calderon will be here. DeSoto snaps his fingers and a waiter arrives with drinks, compliments from the man across the way. Tubbs looks across and sees Calderon watching him. Mm-hmm. Tubbs makes his way over to Calderon and the band are now singing all night long, originally by Lionel Richie, and it again, it fits perfectly to what's going on. It does. It, it's such a um, juxtaposition of what's actually going on in the scene and, and the song's so light. Right. You know, it, it, it's very effective. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tubbs compliments Calderon on the jester and they shake hands. You don't know mm-hmm. whether there's going to be a trouble or not, but it looks like Tubbs is restraining himself. He, he does have another quick look in the uh, magic flashback mirror as well, doesn't he? That's right, he does, mm-hmm. yeah, which he brought mm-hmm. with him in a pocket. He brought book. it with him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gina and Trudy rejoin Crockett and then Tubbs returns. I think there's a nice moment where um, Crockett turns around to Tubbs afterwards because obviously he's been watching this, hasn't he? Yeah. This this, uh, this moment between Colin and, and he was worried because he was going to get up and yeah, you know, make sure Tubbs wasn't going to do anything. And he says to him, "Hey, partner, are you okay?" I thought that was a really nice moment. That it was the first time that he kind of referred to him as a partner. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I never realised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get that a lot throughout the season, don't you? Throughout the series, right. that, that, you know, you 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 really do believe that these two people have got quite a a liking for each other, and and you know, they're, they're, they're partners. They live in each other's pockets, don't they? And as the show progresses, they have to rely on it. They're the only two they can trust because one of the popular tropes in Miami Vice is that pretty much everybody is crooked except the Miami mm-hmm. cops, mm-hmm. right? Or at least this squad. And even then, some of them are not exactly kosher. When, whenever either Crockett or Tubbs had an old friend turned up out of yeah. the blue. <laughs> or or like, someone, someone from the DEA or the FBI. Oh, any other agencies, law enforcement agencies, they're all corrupt in Miami yeah. Vice, aren't they? Absolutely. Which says a lot about the show as well. It, I think it's a, very, it's a very paranoid show, isn't it? Yeah. But that could be an 80s thing as well. Yeah, it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trudy says she has to leave, and can she drop anybody off? Tubbs says, yeah, me, and leave. Crockett says, night, Tubbs. And Gina says, what? I thought you said his name was Prentice. And Crockett says, no, it's Raphael Tubbs. Did the computer came up, come up with anything? Gina says, she doesn't know who that guy is, but Raphael Tubbs has been dead for weeks. When, uh, when Tubbs goes off with Trudy, is the implication here that they're going to be uh, hooking up, do you think? Yeah, I assume so. Hmm. 
Because she, Trudy looks at Gina as if to say, like, you think you'll be okay? And then Gina, like, just smiles and nods. She's taking her uh, vocation a little bit too seriously, I think, isn't she? Why? <laughs> oh, don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. She's a detective in the vice squad. Well, yes, yes, That's yes, a vocation. Yes, yes. What's her vocation? That's a vocation. That's a vocation. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm yeah, saying. So what you you know, she's being she thorough, did. isn't she? She's, oh. you know, I'm sure he was very thorough as well. Later. But you would, wouldn't you? What, go for a drink with her? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd go for a drink with her. I'd, 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 have, I'd have a few drinks with her. Would you? That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it would be. I mean, <laughs> for, 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 for you or for her? <laughs> Pick one. What's the most likely? What's oh, the most well. likely outcome of that scenario? <laughs> Jail. I'm, a, I'm an English white <laughs> tubby guy. And she's well, truly. Well, she well, likes tubs. Oh, God. Tubs, tubs or chubs? I take your pick. That was, <laughs> that was his cover name. Chubs. Yeah. Hey, wait, isn't the chub? No, never mind. No, let's, let's, let's move on. <laughs> yes, that's what she'd say. Back at Crockett's <laughs> boat, he's fuming and can't get an answer on the phone. He doesn't know who Tubbs is now. Is he DAA? Is he FBI? He could be working for Calderon for all day now. Gina says, look, there's nothing you can do about it tonight. And then Crockett makes his move on Gina. Don't you think that Crockett treats her like a bit? I mean, he's a bit of a shit to Gina, isn't he? I think he is throughout, until they stop this relationship Mm. business. I think he pretty much is all the time. And and I think there's a point where Trudy points it out to Gina that Crockett only wants you when he needs something. That's it, isn't he? He, He's, particularly here, I mean, he sees an opportunity to... Right. Have, a, have a bit of a smooch, doesn't he? And and he, I think he's at this point he, he because he's you could argue that because he is an undercover cop and he's used to having to say whatever he needs to say to get the job done, it, it's second nature to him just to say anything just to get what he wants. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. it's an in, more interesting relationship than you would find in a lot of shows where they have this will they won't they yeah attitude you know mm-hmm. that would, that usually kills the show when they finally do. Absolutely. And, and Gina gives as good as she gets as well, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. When, when she, even in this episode, when she ultimately re- realises that she feels like she's been used, I mean, she tells him, she calls him on it, yeah. doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. So next morning, Tubbs bars Crockett's boat. Gina has left. Crockett grabs a flare gun, then drags Tubbs down. He yells at him and demands to know who Tubbs really is because now he knows that Raphael died in the shootout of Calderon. And Tubbs admits that he is Raphael's younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and also calls Crockett on his earlier racism. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He calls him a cracker, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, but he says, like, I know all we all look the same to you southern crackers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so do you, do you, his... just, just as an aside, do you think that Crockett is racist? Or do you just think he's a product of, of where he's from? I think he's just a product of where he's from, which is, I guess is no excuse, but... No, no, but I, I, I always kind of felt that... that that Crockett is kind of he's probably one of those dudes that doesn't really notice it unless it's relevant to to you know to making a crack about it maybe or right. you know but right. but most of the time he probably doesn't even notice right yeah kind of thing and, and and would you do you think I mean you would know more about this than me because you live in that country but don't you think that there's certain parts of America where I don't want to get into this too heavily because it, 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 it's not a it's not a nice subject but that kind of thing is considered normal, you know? 
that that uh, some people probably don't find those comments don't think they're making racist comments. You know, there's that whole adage that oh, I'm not racist. I think it's probably considered normal to them. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, yeah, 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 maybe. So Tubbs finally admits that he's Raphael's younger brother, shows his ID, he's Ricardo Tubbs, robbery division, and mm-hmm. all his other documents were forged. Now Crockett is furious. This is the biggest case of his life, and this happens. Tubbs says he's here for justice because New York wasn't getting anywhere, and we get the next great little Crockett speech. <laughs> oh, let me, let me strap in. <laughs> it's called Vengeance, my friend, plain and simple. Now, I may seem somewhat unorthodox to the untrained eye, but when it comes to being a cop, I'm strictly business, pal, and I'll be damned if I'm going to put my life on the line with some outlaw cop on a personal vendetta, because when it gets personal, it gets messy. And when it gets messy, the wrong people get killed. Chills. <laughs> Literal chills running down my back. Yes. Uh, although at first I was wondering whether you were doing the speech or you were just talking to me. Uh, that's how I normally talk to you, right? It is. I thought, well, all that's right. So we start the day. <laughs> yeah. Then what, what, what happened? What did I do? And he says he's blowing the whistle to Rodriguez. Tub says, without him, there's no case. It's over. Finished. Kaput. Mm-hmm. The phone rings. Tubbs tells him, it'll all be for nothing. Phone continues to ring. But Crockett doesn't want to, but he has to go along and tells Tubbs to answer it. And Tubbs is literally begging at this point, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it could all fall apart. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's another nice moment between the two the two characters that, you know, Crockett, even though he, he's found out that, that Tubbs has been lying to him about who he is, I, you kind of get the impression that Crockett has known enough about the guy that something inside of him tells him, this, this guy's okay, I, you know, I can... I can still trust this guy. I think, I think also it, he, he thinks that if I was in his position, I would have done the same. That's a good point, yes. Because he would, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would. Yeah. Back at HQ, Crockett tells Rodriguez that they'll be delivering 300 pounds of coke from a Panamanian shrimp boat and we'll call a briefing and tell everyone what's going on. As he leaves, a secretary tells Rodriguez that he had a call from Sister Agnes of Immaculate Heart. Apparently, Rodriguez is sending his kid there. Crockett says, whoa. Wish he could send his kid, though. It's a pricey school. Seems like an awful tough nut to make on a lieutenant's salary. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? That's a a new one on me, that is. (laughs) I'm going to try that at work. He's like, oh, can you do that? It's like, oh, that's an awful tough nut to do, but I'll give it a go. (laughs) And then they go, Miami Vice. (laughs) Yeah, and then we're friends for life. (laughs) Yes. That's how it works, unfortunately. Rodriguez says, what's the matter with you? If you want to ask me where I got the money from, just ask me. Crockett does. And Rodriguez snaps back, it's none of your damn business. Get out. Now, he could have diffused this in three seconds, Rodriguez, couldn't he? He didn't need to react the way he did. I mean, I know it's there for us as an audience to cast aspersions on Rodriguez again. Yeah, but Rodriguez is like, you've known me for all these years and now you think I'm crooked. And also, he's a lieutenant. He doesn't have to explain anything to his subordinates, this, does he? This is true. So you think that Rodriguez has, has gathered that Crockett's questioning his, his, his integrity at this point? Oh, yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, 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 totally. And how do we, do we ever find out where, Croc, uh, where Rodriguez got that money from? Well, no, because he doesn't last that long, does he? <laughs> so, so maybe he was crooked. Ah, oh. Yeah, I'd like to think so. <laughs> Wow, you really got it in for Rodriguez. <laughs> what's going on with his, just as an aside? What's going on with Rodriguez's hair? 
I mean, it's a, it's a very unique hairstyle, isn't it, that he's, that he's got going on? I don't think you're in any position to be commenting on characters' hairstyles. <sighs> yeah, all right. Drop it. Oh, don't run your fingers through your own hair. All right. <laughs> my my hairline uh, hasn't changed in 20 years, I'll have you know. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's, it's just shorter now. I don't know. I think that tide is further out. <laughs> you, do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> Global warming. Let's just blame that. It could just be that my head's get, getting bigger. Could be. Could oh, it's be. all the knowledge that I'm um, starring in. Learning, you know, having, working yeah. with you. Working with you week right. in, week out on this podcast. You know, that's yeah, what it is. That, that's exactly what it is, yeah. Mm. Crockett asks another cop if they have the results of those telephone numbers yet. He's told they'll be ready in an hour. Crockett tells him that for his eyes only, because he's now convinced it's Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crockett sees Gina and tells her it was just a computer mix-up with Tubbs's name. So now he's covering for Tubbs. Yes, I didn't, it's funny. I, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, that's 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 mm. true, isn't it? He's he's trusting him. Yeah. I kind of. Yeah. It's almost like he's decided that he's the only one he can trust now. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. But she's not speaking to him, and he tries to find out why she left so quickly in the morning. Turns out that Crockett whispered his ex-wife's name into her ear during the night. That's a classy move. Yeah, that's not going to work out well, is it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's always good when you remember to whisper your wife's name. Yeah, I mean, that's why you should just date women with the same name. Well, all the time. <laughs> all the time, throughout life. <laughs> Tops is on Crockett's boat going through his tape collection. It's all country and western. Yes. yes he's, he's listening to things like Waylon Jennings, isn't he? Right. Dickie Betts. Yeah, which is the kind of music he listens to, because that's where it's from, I guess. Cracker music. I, if you say so. No, Tubbs referred to him as a cracker, didn't he? That's what I'm saying. I'm he did, going yeah. from the character's point of view. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a personal opinion. Cracker music sounds like something you get at Christmas time. And lots of Americans are going, what? <laughs> yeah, they don't know what crackers are. You can't find crackers here for life or money. You have to go to, like, British import stores, you know, that sell British stuff to get crackers. Now, have you ever uh, have you ever tried to explain what a cracker is to an American? Yes, yes. They don't see the point. <laughs> well, they are kind of pointless. <laughs> they are, but, you know, they're, they're kind of fun for us that brought up on them. Yes, yes, I mean... Uh, and because everyone's thinking we're talking about, like, wafer biscuits that you put cheese on but we're not no 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 maybe you should just say what they are just oh for god's sake <laughs> it's not a christmas special <laughs> a cracker is a tube of cardboard <laughs> a toilet roll, a by, toilet yeah, roll. Yeah, toilet roll <laughs> surrounded by a festive paper uh that you hold at either end and it has a strip going through it with a little snapping explosion <laughs> with an explosion <laughs> <laughs> which usually doesn't work you usually have to pull it, um, pull it yourself, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You stand, you hold one end and somebody else holds the other. I can't believe I'm doing this. And then you pull it and it goes bang. And then whoever holds the greater half mm-hmm. gets to keep what's inside. And usually there's a paper hat, a crown, and a joke, mm-hmm. and a toy. You, you, you say toy. Toy is a loose, oh, very loose sense of a toy. Yeah, and you get more expensive crackers that, you know, better gifts. Well, I mean, I, I only get, get mine from Waitrose, so. Actually, Waitrose is still better than somewhere like 
Morrison's or Asda, right? No, that, that, that was what I meant. I bought a, I, oh, okay. You were, you were doing a joke about how pretentious you yes, are about yes. your crackers. I mean, I get things like corkscrews in mine. and Oh, that's handy for you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, where are we? Okay, uh, Tubbs is on the boat, moaning about Crockett's tape collection. Mm-hmm. Tape collection, mm-hmm. also point that out. Did you notice he's got one of those nice 80s um, tape suitcase things? Yes, right? You had one of those? Um, I had a no, actually, because I had a I had a suitcase record player when oh. I was a very young kid. Mm-hmm. I, I bought yeah. one recently, and yeah, oh, such a hipster. <laughs> and um, I had a no, I had a proper stereo, like those you know, in the beginning of the episode that those kids have on their shoulder, the ghetto blaster. You had, I had, one you had a ghetto blaster. Did you carry it around blaster. on your shoulder? Not on my shoulder, but I did carry it around. Much to the annoyance of neighbours. Wow. Yeah, because we used to take it to the, the close and play in the close and put the music on and you'd listen to, you know, hip stuff like Under the Boardwalk by Bruce Willis. You know, good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or, or even, no, no, or even Heartbeat by Don Johnson. <laughs> it's amazing we weren't more popular, really, isn't it? Yeah, I can't imagine what went wrong. No, I know, I know, I know. And, you know, I listen to, you know, good stuff like Starship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we're we really uh, laying a street cred down for everyone to see now, aren't we? Everybody was into Starship in the 80s. Yeah, that's a fair comment. No, yeah, yeah. Nothing's going to stop us now. Well, it did. All right, so where the hell were we now? <laughs> okay. We're still on his Meanwhile, tape collection, I think. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's a big tape collection. He's going through it diligently. Mm-hmm. Tubbs gets a phone call on the boat. And he's told us to change a plan. The meet is now in 40 minutes with DeSoto. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Crockett is given a briefing. Any questions he asks? Switek says, yeah, did you roll some fruit for that oh. shirt? Oh. <laughs> a, what kind of game involves rolling fruit? Okay, B, the shirt that Crockett's wearing is just a black T-shirt. It's actually the most sane item of clothing <laughs> yes, Crockett has worn for five true. years of Miami Vice. That is true. It's just a normal T-shirt, isn't it? So so what's the gag? I'm assuming that you, you understand the uh, slightly outdated reference that, that he's making. Oh, you're saying it's not actual, uh, like, a cantaloupe or something no, he, like that? No, he's not talking about a purr. Oh, no, um, wait. No, he might. <laughs> okay, I get it now. You know what? Mm. I never actually understood that joke. Really? Genuinely, didn't understand. Yeah, absolutely. That's now I'm just actually getting there. Yes, it's a it's a it's a it's a veiled uh, illusion that Crockett looks homosexual. Is that because it's tight? I guess so. Yeah. I never actually. Wow. Either way, isn't it great? either way, it's a, isn't it's not it's not great. No. But isn't it great when you watch something and you've watched it like thousand times and. And then suddenly, you know, 30 years down the line, you go, oh. <laughs> Seriously, has that only just occurred to you then? Yeah, totally. Wow, I'm, I'm imparting knowledge. Yeah, don't, don't, don't get carried away. Uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, it's knowledge about homosexual references. <laughs> outdated ones. Outdated ones as well, yeah. Crockett says, actually, your old lady gave me this shirt and it wasn't even my birthday. Which is a good rejoinder. <laughs> I'll use that one. Yeah, well, well, as long as the other person isn't saying, yeah, did you roll some fruit for that shirt? <laughs> well, like my wife. <laughs> my wife said it to me. Buy a new T-shirt. Yeah. Oh, did you roll some fruit for that? Yeah, a couple of oranges and a purr. And... Yeah, right. Mm. <laughs> Gina checks her messages and finds a red rose. 
And everything's fine. Yeah. It? Crockett has the phone results. Mm-hmm. He's clear of the STD. No, <laughs> Crockett has the phone. <laughs> okay. Crockett has the phone results and goes through the names and he sees <gasps> Scott Wheeler's. Wheeler is the league and he knows that Tubbs is a cop. Crockett is then told that Tubbs called and then he's gone to meet DeSoto. Now, we haven't seen Wheeler for about 20 minutes up to this point, have we? He's kind of, he kind of fell out of the episode since the courtroom yeah. incident with Leon. Right. Which is why I guess they did that on purpose to keep him like the surprise leak. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Really, it, is it a surprise? Do you think? I think it's a surprise. The first time I saw it, because I didn't know Rodriguez was going to be in the show for well, four episodes. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it is that so thing, I, though, isn't it? That argument of Wheeler is the only other guest star in the in the episode. Yeah, that is true. And and we're dealing with eighties where when there's anyone who isn't part of the main core cast. But then again, it's the pilot, so you don't know whether he's going to be part of the main core cast, do you? That's right, it could be Gina for all you know. Mm-hmm. Very true, yeah. There was that thing in the 80s, I'm not wrong, am I, that, that a lot of the times you, you always knew who the person was because it was usually the guest star. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, it's an actor that you you don't know, but you recognise. And they're usually close to one of the main characters of the show, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. is that a flaw, do you think, of, of 80s TV? You don't get that anymore, do you? I guess you don't. In fact, I guess a lot of shows play against it. Like, they'll have a well-known guest star and they'll just kill them off and yeah. they'll be the victim. I mean, it works perfectly well for, for, for what these shows were, I think. I don't think there's a problem with it. I just wondered whether it's, it, it, is a, it is a cliche. It's hard, though, because how would you have, like, in a new episode, how would you have somebody who turns out to be bad if they weren't somebody new? It would have to be a character that's in every week and then they couldn't be every every week if they were bad so you've no choice have you if you're episodic true yeah yeah i see what you mean. if you're if you're a continuing series that they do now like and your narrative runs for 18 episodes or whatever then you could do it yeah mm-hmm. and have the big surprise towards the end of the season that yeah uh, yeah exactly what I mean. yeah. yeah 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 and and i think we we've talked about this personally between us the whole episodic nature of 80s tv i kind of miss that yeah we both um we're kind of fans of that mm-hmm. because we like dipping into a show and knowing that we're going to get a complete story and that we're not going to sit through an hour of nothing because it doesn't move the story along because they know they're going to stretch it out for 18 episodes yeah i think there's a lot of filler today i think yeah there is tubbs is waiting in an alley when he sees a woman approach him she speaks to him and then walks away but she is a he it's really Trini DeSoto in drag. He pulls a gun out, but a cop car and Crockett pulls him to the alley and distracts him, giving time for Tubbs to turn and shoot DeSoto. Now, I never really... Bu- I don't buy this. There's, there's problems with this scene, I think. Okay. Now... What's your problem with it? For a start, <laughs> DeSoto's picked the most impractical gun to use for an assassination, hasn't he? He's got, like, the biggest magnum that you've ever seen in your life. It's not that big. It fits in a purse. It's huge. It's got a huge barrel. But it fits in a purse. It takes it out of a purse. Well, it, so it yeah, and sh- again, that's massive. the problem. You'd never fit that gun in that purse. He takes it out. You see it. You, 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 know, you see the open purse and he pulls it out. 
but it was probably poking out of it. All right, I don't buy this. I think you're picking holes here. No, no, no. Desperate. No, no. I've to... always thought this bit didn't didn't sit right with me. Okay. And then the second bit, the cop cars, the cops turn up in the car, and he misses them at point blank range. He shoots the windshield. He's the worst shot ever. But he's the worst shot when it's relevant. I didn't have a problem with it. He shoots the windshield. He, he's distracted. He's surprised by the sound of the siren. He's not thinking. He just reacts. Bang, bang. Turns. Tub shoots him. I don't, I don't know. I, I, it feels a bit lame. It's, it's one of the, the it's one of the moments in 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 this story that I I did think I thought didn't ring true for me. I don't think. All right. I, I disagree with you, but I'll let you have it. Oh, thank you. So Desoto is dead. Mm-hmm. Now we cut to. Scotty Wheeler's house. Crockett pulls up outside. Mm-hmm. Scotty asks him to come in. And we see that Scotty has a son and daughter, and his son is in a wheelchair. Oh, that's a nice touch, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Scotty asks him, what's up? Crockett hands him over the list of telephone numbers and his name. Sorry, when Wheeler looks at this list, you can almost feel the moment where he, he reads, the, the, where, where, where the moment hits him where he's like, oh, shit. Can't, you can, yeah, he just def- you can see it. Yeah. He just deflates. In Crockett's car, Scotty admits he's a leak and that Calderon paid him 70 grand. He gives Crockett a story about needing the money to pay his mortgage and for his kids' health bills. Crockett asks him where the deal is going down and Scotty tells him as other police arrive to arrest Scotty. And, and Crockett's rage in this scene is, is so powerful, isn't it? You can just, he's dripping with it. Yeah, I mean... He grabs him and he, he starts shaking the guy, doesn't he? Yeah, because he's his friend. He trusted him with his life. Mm-hmm. He says, at least he says, doesn't he, that I do, I, am I missing something here? I don't get it. Because he can't quite believe yeah. what he's what he's found out about him. Yeah, he can't process it. Mm-hmm. So now we get the iconic scene from Miami Vice. It is. It's very iconic, isn't it? Crockett and Tubbs are heading to meet Calderon. It's night. Crockett is driving in his black Ferrari Daytona Spider. Mm-hmm. Phil Collins is the music of choice. In the air is playing. That would never fly today, would it? <laughs> no. And uh, driving along and everything's like neon and looks cool. And Crockett stops and makes a call to his ex-wife. And that shot is great too when he goes to the phone booth and there's that neon sign across the top. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's both minimalistic and, and really, really flashy at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he, he speaks to his ex-wife and he's, he wants to know if the way they were before was real. And she says, you bet it was. I guess it's clear neither Tubbs or Crockett think they're going to make it back alive. I think that's the implication, particularly for Crockett, that he yeah. thinks that this is his last moment to, to, yeah. to get things straight between him and his wife, you know? Yeah. And so they continue driving, and there's no talking at this point. There's just the music playing, shots of the car, and the gear stick changing. And it goes on quite a while, but you don't feel like it goes on a while. You don't sit there going, oh, what, what's going to happen? You kind of, like, feel the moment. And again, don't you think? I think this is the moment above all else in this in this pilot that that cemented that whole MTV Cops moniker that it got. Yeah, I mean that's how it. Way back in the beginning, that's how it was pitched. Mm-hmm. They wanted a MTV Cops show, and then it, you know, transformed as it went along. But a lot of critics also say it borrows a lot from European cinema. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Just just in the way it looks and. Um, the lack of dialogue in places, and there's lots of lots of um, straight lines and and um, and stark stark images, I think as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and again, like we, uh, as I said about um, uh, 
going all, all the way back to the beginning of, of when we were talking, the whole um, the Rockwell song, how that is is completely in my mind set with that scene in the air tonight. You know, I, I don't go to the you know frankly iconic video. Right. Um, I go to this in my head. Yeah. You know, I always go to this. It's yeah, so interwoven that. and linked with Miami Vice and this particular scene. And anything that can make a Phil Collins song <laughs> sound good is a work of genius, really. <laughs> Are you a Phil Collins fan? Not really, no. 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 Phil Collins is one of those artists and songs that I listen to the music and I go, oh, that's, that's actually quite good. But then I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very good use of, of Phil Collins' music in um, American Psycho. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know the scene I'm talking true. about, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I understand completely what you mean. And I don't think it helps the fact that, let's just say, he's not a likable guy, is he? No, but then also he makes an appearance later in the show in Miami Vice. He does. In one episode, he plays a character. He does the start of yeah. Phil Collins' uh, illustrious acting career. Right, which went on to the film... Busted? Buster. Buster. Busted is Busted. <laughs> Busted is a Elliot Gold film. <laughs> yeah, could we I watch believe. that one, please? <laughs> yeah, Buster. And then everyone thought Phil Collins was going to be this great actor, but then he just never seemed to bother after that. Well, I, th- I think probably the parts were quite limited. I would say, wouldn't? Yeah. Maybe, yeah, because of his. Yeah. He's the he was the chirpy Cockney geezer who was a bit. You know, a little bit woo, a little bit wee, you know. Oh, it's your, that's your uh, Cockney impression coming on then. Marvellous. I, I, good, to, I, I, good, to, good to see that one again. Good to see that one again. I wasn't actually Marvelous. doing it, but I can do it again in the Cockney accent if you like. Oh, no, no, no. That's just but, too much for everybody. Particularly as you accused me of being Southern the last time we spoke, so. Well, it's just too much for everybody. Is it? You know, but, limit, limit a good thing. Would you rather uh, leave it at? Definitely. <laughs> So, oh, Tubbs and Crockett get to it. That was good. It's better than you could do. So, so, <laughs> so, they finally, after about an hour, mm-hmm. now, they get to the dock, and they board a boat at gunpoint that's going to the deal. Mm-hmm. So, they take the boat to where the meet is going to occur. Yeah. And then as Calderon's men are going to board the boat, Crockett and Tubbs spring out. They do, don't they? And Crockett seems to be yeah. holding a... Um, Mac 10. That's the one, yeah. I think he got it from the guy that was guiding the boat. Right, I, I always wonder where that came from. Yeah, there's the guy guiding the boat has okay. a gun, so I think it's his. So he picks it up. Now there's a standoff for a bit between them. Mm-hmm. But then Calderon breaks the standoff by giving the order to shoot, and a gunfight breaks out. And it's a, again, it's a surprisingly bloody one as well, isn't it? Yeah, now he's tough shot in the shoulder. I think I think so because later on he's wearing a, a, a sling, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. So he gets shot in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. But Calderon's men are killed, mm-hmm. and Calderon does a runner and he hides amongst the crates and the barrels of the dock. And Tubbs goes after him, and, and I, the synth music is playing. I'm never a big fan of these kind of skulking moments in movies and TV shows. You know, where the, you've got the two, the good guy and the bad guy, who don't know where each other is, and it kind of always goes on for too long. I think this is a good one, though. Don't don't you like this one? This is one of the better ones, but I'd still rather they did something different. I would have preferred okay. it if they if they didn't done something different. So they're moving through the darkness and the crates, each unsure of where the other is. Mm-hmm. And then Calderon turns around and he's right into the face of the shotgun of Tubbs. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Calderon just instantly drops his own weapon and then starts to get smart with Tubbs going like, go on, arrest me, you $400 a week cop. It's getting late. It's not a good move on his part, really, is it? Not really, because Tubbs starts to stare at him and his fingers are on the trigger. Mm-hmm. And then Calderon starts to get nervous because mm-hmm. he can see that Tubbs is not, not happy. No, he's not, he's not, he's not uh, working on all thrusters at this point, I don't think, Tubbs, no. is he? Police pull up behind Tubbs and Crockett appears and says, not like this, Tubbs. Mm-hmm. And Tubbs fires the shotgun, but into the air. So Calderon's not, not dead, but he's certainly deaf at this point. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. The next day, Crockett and Tubbs go to the jail with transfer order for Calderon, but it turns out Calderon is gone. A judge has got him out. Mm-hmm. Crockett and Tubbs race to a dock. How, this is, I don't get, how did they know where to go? Is this the only dock in the whole of Miami? Because they go to the seaport. The Miami Seaport. Is there only one Miami Seaport? <laughs> I guess, maybe. So they see Calderon boarding a seaplane, and they run to the plane, but they're too late, and it takes off. And it's a, a great example of how the series sets itself up uh, for those kind of endings that we talked about earlier, where yeah. the, the heroes don't win. Yeah. you know. The Crockett apologizes to Tobbs, but mentions that Calderon will be back. New name, new people. And as they head back to the car, Crockett asks Tubbs if he's going to go back up to New York. Mm-hmm. Tubbs points out that after what he's done down there, he'd be lucky to get a job as a meter maid. And as they drive away, Crockett says, have you ever thought of a career in Southern law enforcement? And it ends. And that's a line that, that we'll get a callback to in the, the series finale as well, isn't it? Yeah, and there's another callback too, because in the series finale, Tubbs gets shot in the shoulder again ah. in the same place. Ah. Now, just... Just for my own clarification, I always wondered, he, he's saying that you know, he, he wouldn't be able to get a job as a meter maid if he went back to New York because of what he's done. But yeah, it seems yeah. perfectly fine for them to keep him on down as a Miami Vice cop. In yeah, I, I don't think that would fly either. But, you know, different Miami, different rules, different rules. Obviously. <laughs> they don't you know, you. And if, if he applied for a job, I don't think they'd just give him a detective rank and then make him Crockett's partner. Exactly. It's all a bit convenient, isn't it? It is, but, you know, it's, it's a show, so we'll you, let You've it got to set it up somehow, haven't yeah. you, I suppose, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting, though. I don't think we'd, we'd be as kind to it if it, was, if it wasn't what it is. Without giving anything away as to what we're going to say in a moment about Miami Vice, but I think everyone's kind of figured out what we're going to say. But I think in other instances we wouldn't be as kind to it. Yeah, I don't think we'd let the things slide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It gets gets an easier pass than other programs do. Yes, yes, I'd agree. So that was Miami Vice, the pilot. Mm -hmm. What did you think? (laughs) Shit, right? Worst thing (laughs) I've ever seen? Garbage. Worst thing I've ever seen? Garbage. Yeah, Yeah, terrible acting, terrible... No, no, no. I mean, this is a near-perfect pilot for a show, I think. It sets everything up fantastically. We know who the characters are. Right from the, the first moments that we meet them, we know who these people are. It looks unique. It doesn't look like anything that, that was around at the time. Um, the music, the visuals. I mean, it, I, mean, I mean, it just drips cool, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, personally speaking, I think you probably feel the same way. But I, I mean, I think Don Johnson is, is just great in the part of Crockett. So, and Philip Michael Thomas too, but particularly Crockett. You know, you believe everything that he, that he says and does. You know, he, he is that character. There's very few pilots, I think, that, that, that set things up so well as this. You know, it's, 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 just, it's just excellent. So go on, you hated it, right? 
No, I pretty much agree with everything you said. It's always been one of my favorite television shows. I can watch this pilot, stop it, and if someone said, oh, what's that? Did you watch that? Can we watch that? I would just watch it straight away again. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, do, I do love Miami Vice. I think it was a big part of our childhood, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, it was. Mondays, 10 p.m., mm-hmm. yeah. BBC mm-hmm. One, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, back in the day when... You know, before the internet, where you didn't have access to something straight away, because it was on in in, in the states. You know, you had to wait right. for the yeah. BBC to show it, which was sometime would be twelve months after the the season had ended in the states, wouldn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was totally different. You know, grew up in a rainy northern English town, and you've got this Miami mm-hmm. with all its colours and and its style, and, and yeah. And big, yeah, bikinis always good. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I didn't see a bikini for a long time. <laughs> in re, in reality, until you bought one. Until I bought one, I'm wearing it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't it don't you think as well that in terms of just starting a TV show set up, it's a perfect beginning to a show. I can't think of any other show that works so well from the very beginning. Like even other programs that I really enjoy like i don't know star trek the next generation or mm. other problems. i can't think of anything that is just like got it right from the beginning exactly i mean most things tend to grow into it don't they yeah and it's so cinematic as well you know obviously oh, absolutely. That's, obviously that we not mentioned that michael mann is heavily involved in miami vice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so he brought his kind of style to the show before you know he left and in a lot of ways, I think a lot of it does look like Manhunter, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, like I said, it's totally different from other programs. The endings of the episodes would be dark sometimes. And even though it was episodic, there was also a certain amount of growth between the episodes. Yeah, yeah. And they did callback stuff that, to stuff that happened in previous episodes sometimes. They, sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were characters that... Um, that you you would see in one season and then they they could reappear in another season right that's true and they would refer to like at one point in one of the seasons crockett starts talking about all the relationships that have gone wrong and he's like is Mm -hmm. it me is it the job i'm in Mm -hmm. and doesn't he mention actual names from yes yeah yeah. oh yeah so the pilot on its own without talking about all the series as a whole it's still a hit i mean it's a great pilot it's just a hit as a movie, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. You could, you could, you could, you could quite happily screen this as a movie and not have any access to any of the other parts of the show, and it would work just as a movie. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess we both kind of like Miami Vice, the pilot, just a bit, just a just bit. A bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in our next episode, we're actually going to be talking about the final episode of Miami Vice. Um, because unlike a lot of shows, this had a definite conclusion with a feature-length episode. Mm-hmm. And so we're probably going to talk about the transition and how the show changed between those two points as well. I think we'll talk about some of the more obscure episodes as well. Yeah. James Brown comes to mind. Oh, <laughs> Aliens. That's the one, yeah. Cal Seaman. Oh. <laughs> I presume you're talking about the episode and not just throwing random phrases out. <laughs> I'm just thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner. Oh. <laughs> Is it gluten free? Well, it's a bit glue. Oh. <laughs> oh, sad. So we've had an email. Yeah, we've had an email. Woohoo. Would you like me to read it? No. 
So thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, of course I would. Well, I want to. I love people who send emails. They're my favorite kind of people. As long as, you know, they're nice emails. The people who send horrible emails don't like those. Well, this is from our, our friend Dave in Aldershot, who we've heard from in the past. Oh, I can't stand this guy. <laughs> well, he does say hi, Colin and Paul, this time. Oh, he's got the, the order right. Excellent. Yes. I like him yes. now. He says, it's great to see your podcast is going, he's going from strength to strength. Has he seen our listeners' figures? Are you sure he's not listening to um, very British horror podcast? Yeah, maybe he is. I've heard it's pretty good. So he goes on to say, it's always entertaining and I look forward to hearing your new episodes as I drop. The listening figures? Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was talking about your toilet habits. Oh, sure he isn't listening to some of them. He definitely sounds like he's to something else. Okay, go on. He, he sounds a bit disturbed, don't you think? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, he says, anyway... My previous suggestion of Bloodsport did not make the list. An absolute travesty, I hasten to add. It's because it's crap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes on to say, so how about Under Siege with Steven Seagal? I'd so, love to wait, hear you. I, 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 sorry to interrupt you there, Paul, mm-hmm. but does this guy mm-hmm. really hate us? You mean he's forcing us to watch questionable movies? Yeah, is that what it, you're saying? Is it, is it like some kind of weird sick thing that he gets off on? It could well be. Wow. Actually, Under Siege is one of the better Steven Seagal movies. I think it was on the cusp of when he was still a bankable actual movie star, wasn't he? Isn't this the one that made him a bankable movie star? Possibly, possibly. And doesn't it have the the, uh, the Baywatch actress in it? Like you don't know. I don't know. What's her name? Like you didn't immediately IMDB. I beg your pardon? You know what I mean, sunshine. <laughs> are you doing your cockney accent again no <laughs> so he says i would love to hear your thoughts on a seagal movie made in a time before he became the same weight as an articulated lorry nice he's got a point yeah yes mm. mm-hmm. although i don't agree with uh weight jokes no well you wouldn't would you he says he says keep up the good work guys we talking to me dave in all the shop Bit odd using the plural there. Well, there are two of us, aren't there? Sometimes I wonder. <laughs> well, yeah, we could do we could do uh, under siege. Yeah, I we? think that'd be a good one. At least he didn't say on deadly ground. Oh, so thank you, thank you, Dave, for that. Yeah, I suppose so. So that's it for this episode of retrospection. Not as funny, but twice as long. <laughs> that's when you catch phrase. <laughs> I bet you hear that a lot, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. If you'd like to send an email to us, you can reach us on retrospection at email.com. You can also find us on Facebook and you can reach us on Twitter at Retrospecky. You can also listen to our playlist on Spotify, which includes all the themes and songs from all the TV shows and films that we've reviewed so far. What am I going to choose to put on this one? I mean, there's so much to choose from. Wow. List is endless. I know. Yeah. Gosh. Don't envy you that tiny task. (laughs) (laughs) I put the work in. So, thank you for listening to this episode of Retrospection. Bye. Bye.